Well, I've been very intrigued by my inflatable friend. Just the title got me giggling. <laughs> it's my pleasure to introduce Gerald Everett Jones. Actress, comedian Georgia Umano is going to help me read from chapter two, just to give you a flavor of my inflatable friend. Now to set the stage just a bit here, Rollo is an overachiever, went to private school, is quite well read and accomplished. The problem is that he's a failed hacker and he's been in jail. He's also now, as a result of that experience, hopelessly lazy. So he wouldn't he refused to get a job and his parole officer got him one parking cars at a luxury Beverly Hills hotel. Somewhat later in the book, he's going to get into quite a bit of trouble that he doesn't anticipate as a result of a spectacular identity theft that he orchestrates. But at this point, early in the book, he only has one fascination, and that's with one Felicia Ferullo, who is his age. She, she's the beautician at the hotel, and he's only admired her from afar. But he has the hots for Felicia, and he's decided to work up his courage, and he's going to drop by her apartment. So that's where we're beginning in chapter two. Undeterred and having rehearsed my speech before the mirror at home, I dropped round her place as promised. I carried a chilled bottle of Dom, borrowed from a room service tray. I don't make that kind of money. I sported a velour sweatsuit, a comfortable package flattering ensemble that could be shucked quickly, I pictured, for that long-awaited, hastily consummated romp in her bedroom. The apartment door swung open graciously at my buzzing to reveal her drop-dead gorgeous in a floor-length evening gown with pendant earrings. I'm sure I mentioned earlier that day I'd be paying a visit. I hadn't said anything about stepping out, especially in such style. So there we were. She dressed for a ballroom at the Ritz, me for pizza and TV, albeit with a respectable sparkling wine. No matter, we'd both be undressed soon enough hiccuping and giggling at the oddity and delight of lover's first coupling. A puzzled look passed over her face like a wispy cloud temporarily hiding the sun. Rollo? That's right. You said you had something to ask me, but I didn't think you meant you'd be showing up uh, here. I was just wondering whether you'd be interested in getting married to me. <laughs> The little cloud became a thunderhead and shot a bolt into her brain. I thought she stumbled back, but maybe she just blinked. You'd better come in. It was the first time I'd been to her place. The walls were filled with her paintings, the exclusive subject matter of which was puppies staring out with abnormally large, watery, affectionate eyes. Apparently, my love was the keen of canine portraiture. Ah, there was so much about her I would learn, and eagerly. She didn't invite me to sit, didn't offer a beverage or snack. In fact, she seemed disoriented in her own house. I stood frozen, holding the bottle of Dom behind my back. Will she guess I swiped it? I didn't see this coming, Rollo. People usually, I don't know, date first. <laughs> I knew it this was all I could find to say playing the full card of naivete, since obviously world-beatness wasn't my strong suit. 
From somewhere within herself, she summoned fire, and I got a flash of my mother's nine-pound Pekingese Shotzi, who quickly bites male dogs of any size squarely on the nose as they approach. Neither of these gals need ever fear a Rottweiler in a dark alley. As abruptly as I popped the question, she turned me down, and ignoring the implications and on the duration of my visit and or on my life's entire future course, I dumbly asked for the reasons why. Why would I marry you is a much shorter list. Let's keep this positive. You're cute and sweet, and you have a nice sense of humor when you let yourself relax. This girl did not have any trouble expressing herself, a trait I really admired. Even as I was stung by the sharp truth of her list and its conciseness, I waited for her to go on, but she didn't. But why don't you? I couldn't help it coming out as a whine. Her glance flitted from her watch to a wall clock, and I was impressed that she would bother to synchronize them, especially at this moment. She became impatient and apparently decided to break her own rule about avoiding criticism. For one thing, you're unfocused. I turned a corner in my life today. I decided you're my future. And you're mine? Did you apply for a job at Charles Schwab? Did you win a Rhodes scholarship? Lose a rich uncle? Hey, one step at a time. Okay, Rollo. For example, where's the ring? Now that was a very good question. I had already told her I was new at this, so that excuse wouldn't work again. I thought we'd pick it out, you know, together. Mm. So I could co-sign for the time payments? A ring is supposed to be two months' salary, Rollo. Now, I'm not saying I'd insist on that, but I'm giving you some perspective here. You can't afford a prize and a happy meal. Babe, I got plans. Yeah, two rubbers in your pocket. I marveled at her x-ray vision. She even had the right pocket. My name's not Babe. And you're clumsy. If we had a baby, you might drop it. Where does this come from? I searched my memory for some inexcusable gaffe I'd committed in front of her, but I was at a loss. It was such a silly reason I began to see her objections as nothing more than anxious denial. A reluctance to confront the intensity of her true feelings for me. I started toward her an approach that I meant to end in a comforting embrace. Everybody worries, but that never happens. I raised my arms in supplication. Swinging the bottle of ice-cold Dom, its slick, clammy surface defied my grasp. The bottle slipped from my hand and thudded to the floor, connecting with the toe of my right Reebok and inducing a sharp pain that would eventually become an ugly, multicolored bruise. Ow! Desperate for any affection at this point, I would gratefully accept sympathy. Although the embarrassment hurt me more than my foot did, I went for an agonized wince and gave a little hop. I thought I'd detect a genuine concern, but just then the doorbell rang and her expression changed to panic. You can't stay. But we... Did you think I dressed for you? A sense of my own winning charm returned, perhaps because I was in free fall with no hope of pulling out. Well, now I didn't think you were taking the dog for a walk. She didn't have a dog, which suddenly struck me as odd given the recurring theme of her artwork. It would certainly give us something to talk about next time. I'd invite her to dinner some night, try to find some way to suggest casual dress and modest fare. She primped before the mirror, straightening a wisp of hair and delicately wiping the delicious sweat from her upper lip, finishing in a sexy pucker. 
His name is Stan. We're going to the opera. What a droll sense of humor, I thought. It was her deft way of easing my pain without resorting to physical touching. Not a choice I would have preferred. You can't take a dog to the opera. I knew a good exit line when I had one, and I moved toward the door, grasped the knob, and opened it wide. There stood Stan, the human equivalent of a deep-chested Roddy, with a neck thick as my waist, draped in an Armani suit that probably cost what I make in a year, shooting an immaculate cuff and exposing a glitter on the wrist that was sure to be nothing less than a Patek Philippe. I smiled winningly at him, hoping to come across as the innocuous boy next door who had just dropped by for a cup of sugar or perhaps advice on a gay relationship. She met you at the gym, right?